0: Well, friends, um, you may know that if, you, um, if you've been to the Southeast Raleigh Table for the last couple of weeks that we've been in a sermon series um, in February called Rest in Love. And throughout the last uh, three weeks, we have basically unearthed the beauty of God's power um, as we also bump into God's love for us or how we are clothed in love, or how love um, also is enacted in the righteousness that we live in our lives and also the justice that moves and works through our lives. But this morning is going to be a bit of a pivot because it is a transitional Sunday in the life of the church. You may know that we have been coming out of the Sundays after the Epiphany when we recognize that this this child that's born to Mary and Joseph is not just an ordinary child, but um, he is indeed a king, the Epiphany of our Lord. And then over the last uh, six weeks, we have been in what is known as the season uh, uh, after the Epiphany. But this Sunday which has us on the cusp of also the Lenten season, which I'll share a little bit more about that, about Wednesday, how we mark um, the the start of a 40-day journey through the wilderness to get to the side of Easter. It's this Sunday that's a pivot, and it's called Transfiguration Sunday. It's the Sunday where Jesus goes to the mountain with some of his disciples, and the glory of Jesus is revealed to them. It's almost as though we get um, the, 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 the end at the beginning, that before we move through the wilderness and before we ever get to Easter, Jesus reveals something of ourselves that might actually give us enough hope to make it through the wilderness. I love how um, the liturgical calendar or the calendar of the church sets us up. (laughs) Sets us up that before we're ever moved into places or spaces that make us uncomfortable, Jesus always gives us a glimpse. You know how you sometimes need someone to squeeze your hand before you get up to go make a speech? Like Jesus gives us the squeeze, like I'm going to be with you. That's what this Sunday is is all about. Before I read the scripture, I want you to know that what comes before the scripture is Jesus telling his disciples that he's going to be handed over that he is going to be crucified, that he is going to endure suffering, and that he will also be raised. It's before this uh, particular passage of scripture that I'm going to read that Jesus tells the disciples that if they're going to follow him, they're going to have to deny themselves and take up crosses. Basically, when Christ bids us come, Christ bids us come and die. That's what the words that Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, that Christ's death and resurrection is also going to mean something for those who follow Jesus. But Jesus also tells his disciples that there will be those among him who will actually see the kingdom, who will see the goodness of God even before they taste death. And then in verse 28 of the ninth chapter of Luke's gospel, it reads as such. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up onto the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah. Let me just stop here. Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets, talking to him. And they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you are a person who has lots of friends, you may also know that there are some friends who can go with you in certain situations, and there are certain friends that cannot go with you in all situations. We know this. There are some people that I know that when things get a little tense, I need to leave them behind. Mm -hmm. And Jesus also recognizes this. That everyone can't go with Jesus everywhere that Jesus goes. Yes, Jesus um, hangs out with the 12 disciples, but it's oftentimes when there is um, kind of a precarious or a precious or a tender moment that only three of the disciples get to go with Jesus Peter, John, and James. And it is in this particular passage of scripture when this glorious kind of event happens on the mountain that Peter, John, and James get to go with Jesus, which makes a lot of sense, because when Jairus' daughter was at the point of death, it was these three who got to come with Jesus. I wonder if it's because whenever they could bear witness to what Jesus was up to, they could see with their own eyes what Jesus was up to, their retelling was accurate, Or or maybe these three, whenever they saw whatever Jesus was up to, they began to recognize, well, if Jesus could do it, maybe we too can somehow be a reflection of Jesus in this world. That this friendship that we share with Jesus isn't just for us to kind of like hold on to ourselves, but it actually spills out in the course of our lives. Maybe these three got to take this trip up the mountain with Jesus because, because they were so close. And because Jesus has now foretold his crucifixion and also his death that Jesus recognizes it may be hardest for these three what is going to happen I could probably ask a lot of questions as a pastor as to why these three got to take this trip up to the mountain with Jesus but this is what we hold on to is that these three saw Jesus in all of his glory it's like when you get to see your best friend operating in the zone of God's anointing, doing the thing that they know how to do best. It's as though they got to see face-to-face Jesus uh, in the fullness of who Jesus is. Yes, fully human, but also fully divine. That all these things that Jesus has said about himself, they now get to see it with their own eyes. They go up to this mountain with Jesus, and it says that they're going to pray. And while they are praying, Jesus goes dazzling white on them. His face and all of his appearance, there is something that they realize, oh my goodness, something has caught hold of our friend Jesus. And then, to make it even more kind of glorious, Moses and Elijah show up. Now let me just tell you, Moses and Elijah were not alive at the time that Jesus was alive. And they show up. And like I said and the reading of the scripture, Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets, and Jesus, who represents or who is the Messiah. These three. And Peter, in the middle of this magical moment, what we would call a beatific vision, when we see the glory of Jesus, says, why don't we build some booths so we can all kind of hang out here? Like this, that we've got set up on this mountain, is a good thing. And while he is saying this, a cloud comes, and a voice from the heaven says, this is my son, my chosen one. You might remember that at Jesus' uh, baptism, with whom I am well pleased, but in this particular moment it says, this is my son, the chosen one, listen to him (laughs) and they don't stay on the mountain instead they come down the mountain and when they come down the mountain they are met by the crowds Jesus has just told the disciples that he is going to be crucified Jesus has just told the disciples that it's going to mean something for their lives, that he is crucified. Jesus has just told the disciples that they are going to have to also take up their crosses and deny themselves. But before any of these things happen, Jesus shows Peter, John, and James his glory Jesus shows them the end at the beginning, the beginning at the end. Jesus reveals to them all these things that I have said. Yes, I've told you that I'm going to die, but I also need you to know that there's glory even after death. I've said some things to you, I've taken you up to the mountain, and I've shown some things to you. Seeing is believing in this moment. But I understand why Peter would say, Jesus, hey Elijah, hey Moses, why don't we just stay up on this mountain? Why don't we bask in your glory? Why don't we relish in your light? Why don't we stay in a moment when we see you at your very best? Why don't we hold on to this this time, this liminal time, where we recognize that you are the God, the Messiah with whom the Creator is well pleased. This would be a perfect setup for us to stay right here. This week, I have read the Transfiguration Scripture so differently. And it has made me think about all the other mountain moments and mountaintop moments in Scripture. Moses goes up to a mountain, Elijah goes up to a mountain, and here's the thing. Whenever these men, Moses and Elijah, have a mountain moment, they don't stay on the mountain, but they are empowered on the mountain for what might find themselves their reality in the valley. Peter is like, let's stay. But the way of Jesus is never to stay in a place where Jesus is adored but not also at work. Hear me, friends. Jesus is revealed in all of his glory. All of the things that Jesus has tried to tell people through miracles, through his preaching and teaching, it has been revealed. People have seen it with their own eyes. But Jesus' way is not simply to be adored, but not to also be at work. Whatever happens to Jesus on the mountain is a reflection of the power that Jesus has in the valley. Here's what I had not recognized until this week as soon as Jesus comes from this moment of revealing his glory to Peter, John, and James, they are met by the crowds. When you are reading through the gospels and whenever Jesus is met by the crowds, Jesus is typically met by the place of brokenness or hurt of humanity. Oh, I hope you are tracking with me. This week has been so hard. If you have even watched five minutes of the news, <laughs> it has been so hard. And yet, this is what I get to hold on to. That this glorious Jesus, who reveals to us his power and his goodness and his light, this Jesus who reminds me that he is not only fully human but also fully divine, the one who reflects the glory of the one who created the heavens and the earth and makes all things new, is one who comes down the mountain, this glory, to meet the needs and the brokenness and the despair of humanity. In Matthew's gospel, the telling of the transfiguration, when the disciples get terrified, Jesus actually says, get up and do not be afraid. We're not staying up here, we got to go. Get up and do not be afraid, because did you just see what happened on this mountain? Get up and do not be afraid. Do you understand whose glory I reflect? Get up and do not be afraid. Do you see the light that cannot become overcome by darkness? Jesus isn't just beatified for the sake of looking glorious so that we might know that God's glorious power makes something when Jesus is met by the crowds or the headlines in the news or the brokenness in our lives that beyond death lies glory. I also believe if we are ones who say that Christ takes up residence within us then we have to trust also to how glory is reflected in our lives. Marion Wright Edelman says that you cannot become what you have not seen. (laughs) And when we have experienced Jesus's glory, it's a reminder of righteousness and justice. I invite you to listen to last Sunday's um, sermon That we get to be reflections of Jesus in this world. Because the transfiguration offers us a glimpse of our own possibilities. So we can get up and not be afraid. For our neighbors in the Ukraine, we can get up and not be afraid. For families of trans children in Texas, we can get up and not be afraid. For whatever is happening in our lives, we can get up and not be afraid. For the thing that might happen this week, that we'll pray about next Sunday, that we can get up and not be afraid. Maybe today with our bold faith or with our wavering hope, this Transfiguration Sunday, which is a transitional Sunday, is to give us a glimpse of the end at the beginning so that we might trust in Jesus's glory when the world doesn't feel so glorious. So maybe we can get up and not be afraid. Will you pray with me? By the power of your love, O oh God, we know that we are your beloved. By the power of your love, O oh God, we know that we can be clothed in love. By the power of your love, O oh God, We know that we can enact righteousness and justice. And by the power of your love, oh God, we know that you can love the world whole. God, there have been moments in our lives when we have seen your glory. when there have been moments, when you have shown up for us, where you have shown up for others. And maybe those moments didn't happen on a mountain. Those moments might not have even happened in church. But when the moment came, We knew that you were up to something, that you were moving in the cosmos, that you were creating pathways in our lives, that you were making a way out of no way. God, would you help us to remember that your glory is not fleeting but that it is in your transfiguring love that we can lay claim and place our hope. That we can anchor our lives and also hand to you the things of this world that you say you will redeem. O most glorious one, We have said it often this morning and we'll say it again. Would you show us a glimpse so that we might trust that the power that is made known in you on a mountain is a power that cannot be overwhelmed by the valley may it be so oh god may it be so oh god all this we pray to you in the strong name of your son jesus the glorious christ amen